welcome to Conversations About Life. Thanks for meeting with me, Pat and Gloria. And I'm looking forward to talking with you and getting to know you a little bit better. So, how are you guys doing? It's a nice sunny day here and the cold weather and wonderful. Always here at Vision of Peace, we can see out on the river. And it's very calming. It's a really nice view that we have mm-hmm. right here. So, I got to know you guys through a prayer meeting that we have up here. And I got to know your uh, daughter first. She was on the podcast a couple of months ago or so. It seems like it, it was last year, I think, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. yeah. yeah it was last year. And um, anyway, I invited you guys to be a part of the the podcast. Um, so why don't, um, you know, I don't know you guys like really well or very well, So, wh- or I don't know your background and stuff. So maybe we'll just start with that. Like, um, how about um, we we'll just, you know, briefly kind of um, starting with you, Pat, like where did, where did you grow up? Um, what was you know, that like, and then, yeah, let's just start there. Yeah. So I'm originally from St. Louis, and my uh, family, uh, I'm the oldest of four children, and we grew, started in Kirkwood, and the family moved around a bit. Turns out we had that same uh, gene in us, and we've moved 15 times now, so we're, we're, we don't want to move anymore. Oh, you mean you and Gloria have right. moved 15 yeah, we, times? Oh, lots okay. of times. Yeah. Somebody would know then by that. But, well, you must have been in the military. And the answer is yes. So. <laughs> okay. So so we started in, in uh, Maryland, and I went to the seminary for seven years. And then after I got out uh, and I finished college here in town, and then Uncle Sam said he had an idea for me. So I joined up, got in the Navy, and went up number of different places and I wanted to be in medicine and it turns out they were able to guarantee me in medicine and so I ended up in uh, in uh, Maryland at the uh, Naval Hospital and that's where I met Gloria Jean and she could tell you a little bit about her life leading up to meeting in Bethesda. Okay so you met uh, Gloria at um, the Naval Naval Hospital? Right Naval Hospital in Bethesda. And um were you also in the Navy? Right. I was a Navy nurse. I was oh, uh, wow. raised in uh, upstate New York, Utica, New York. Okay. And I went to school in Buffalo, University of Buffalo, and got mm-hmm. my degree in nursing. Mm-hmm. And my last year was paid for by the Navy. So I owed them two years. Mm-hmm. And I decided I wanted to uh, uh, go to the Washington, D.C. area to make sure that we were that uh, I could lobby uh, pro-life issues okay? because I was in the Navy and New York State had already legalized uh, abortion. And uh, as a nurse, I knew that that was not right. So uh, I got transferred. I got my first duty station was Bethesda, Maryland. Hmm. And uh, I played the guitar in the, at Mass in the Navy Chapel. Okay. And so I had gotten there before Pat got there. I had been there about already um, at least six months before he had come. So, Pat, you said that you went to seminary early in your life, right? So, is were you um, studying to to be a priest? To be a priest, right here in okay. St. Louis. Okay. And so uh, it was during the time of Vatican II when the whole church was uh, trying to sense the Holy Spirit and go in, in a different way. They've been way too structured and too set in their ways. And so this was a breath of the fresh air, according to the Pope, to come into the church. And so we're still feeling that here 50 years later. It's still not all implemented, but just opens up to um, all the possibilities of the Holy Spirit. So that was a, a whole different concept. And, of course, the, the people... You know, I was open for change, but that was in a formative years when you got changed and then here the whole church structure is changing around you, then that was uh, something that a lot of us got confused by. So so I had decided to 
to leave the seminary, finish up, and finish college. And then in the Navy, I met a chaplain there at the Naval Hospital, and I said, you know, these uh, Navy guys I've been meeting, I never met anybody like that when I was in the seminary <laughs> for uh, for their, uh, their vocabulary and their lifestyle and what was important for them. So it was just, uh, and plus I was a little bit older than the other guys that were coming out of high school, so I was at least four years older than most everybody uh, as a rookie in the Navy. So I talked to the chaplain, and uh, he said, yeah, I can, I can help you get back in the seminary again if you really, so let's, you know, I'll start, you can start working here in the chapel. So that's when I met Gloria in the chapel when I was, uh, we were both stuck there at one time uh, over Christmas. We can't, everybody can take off the same time. So we were both there, and so they asked me to help with the uh, Christmas choir. And my wife, as she told you, was uh, the guitar player. And so that's when we first met, and I've been telling people that uh, we've been making beautiful music ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, I came into the Navy um, hoping that I was going to get experience as a nurse because in the four years of college, we didn't have very much experience. But I was thrown into a leadership position, and that was very um, scary. So I had gotten very depressed and... I got involved with the Charismatic Renewal, Catholic Charismatic Renewal down at University, uh, Catholic University of America uh, at the um, shri uh, shrine. And um, uh, so I had come to uh, what they call the baptism of the Holy Spirit within, I guess, maybe about four months when when I got into Washington D.C., so that was just before Christmas time. So it was just uh, within the six months I had come to know God and uh, come to live in a a a, um, a home with other girls where we were praying together and and. Uh, deciding that uh, if we were going to become religious or if we were going to get married. And so I had started to pray for a husband, and, uh, and that's how I happened to meet Pat. And so uh, Pat was uh, asking me to help, help teach religious instruction, but when he turned to me to ask me that question, I had been asking for her husband, and uh, the Lord spoke to me and said that this is the husband that you want. And when I turned around to look at Pat, I had never thought about him as a husband because he was short. So I said to the Lord, you know, he's short. And then uh, and I was told that I didn't have that down as one of my qualifications for um, a husband. All I had asked was a qualification for a uh, um, prayer, somebody that knew how to pray. And, uh, of course, Pat had been in the seminary and learned how to pray right away. So, so, um, so knowing him from, uh, you know, that Christmas time until we got engaged in uh, July. So it was just a short, uh, short engagement. So, um, you mentioned, um, being baptized of the Holy Spirit, and um, and then I guess through that coming to know the Lord is that what you right. were saying? Right, because I had been a Catholic all my life, mm -hmm. and but never had really uh, known Jesus personally, and the Charismatic Renewal had been uh, just flowering in the Catholic Church starting in 1967, and they had gotten to Catholic University of America. Um, by about 1969, and I came into Washington, D.C. in 1970, uh, 1970, and I, I got involved with them in 1971. So um, what do you mean by baptism of the Holy Spirit, and like how, um, how, do, you, how do you do that? What does that mean, and things like that? Well, the um, Catholic University um, actually 
was an offshoot of uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And um, Ann Arbor, Michigan uh, developed a seven-week program where you came to know um, the love of God and um, learn to uh, understand how um, you are a sinner and that God loves you and that uh, the devil didn't want you to uh, know that combination of you're a sinner and God loves you and that the God wanted you to have the Holy Spirit in order to uh, have a closer relationship with God. So these seven weeks, uh, in the fifth week, they would pray over you and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And so at that point, when I was in the fifth week, uh, they were telling me that, you know, you'd have a lot of, uh, of uh, demonic uh, fear that uh, if you turned your life over to Jesus, um, that God will come into your life in a powerful way. So I remember feeling that uh, if the devil didn't want me to have this, then I was going to definitely ask for it. Uh, and um, that uh, being in a very depressed state as it was, that when I came to uh, be prayed over by a group of people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, that uh, I was open to it. And so um, they were just praying, and they were, uh, it was a charismatic meaning they were praying over me with tongues, which is more of a Pentecostal experience. Um, and when they started to pray over me, I just uh, developed tears. But no um, uh, tongues, I didn't develop any kind of tongues, just a lot of tears, and uh, it opened me up to the Holy Spirit. So I, I recognized that God loved me and that he had a personal he had a plan for my life, and that this uh, prayer group experience was real, and that I could trust that these people were um, real and they did love me and were accepting me who, for who I was. And that, so that, that helped me to uh, have a focal point in the in Washington area so that uh, I could continue to come to prayer meetings and continue to be learning about who God is, um, what his plan for me was, what his plan for the church was, what his plan for the prayer group was, um, just was enveloped in a movement. So, um, so, experiencing the Holy Spirit or experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was um, like coming to understand the love of God is that and his plan is that kind of how you experienced it or is that right okay. yes mm-hmm. it was a beginning because I had never read the Bible before and that was one of the ways that I knew that the Holy Spirit had come to me was that when I opened the Bible I could now understand hmm. what I was reading Previously, I would open the Bible and nothing really made any sense. But now I was able to sit and read the New Testament from the, from the beginning until the end, mm-hmm. and everything made sense. Everything just came alive. Right. So even though I didn't receive tongues, I received knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, like, Pat, are, is this... Um like, have you experienced something like what Gloria's talking about? That was or? later, because when this first happened, I said, I didn't learn this in a seminary. <laughs> so I talked to our chaplain, and he said, well, I didn't hear it at my seminary either. He was a priest from the Pittsburgh Diocese. And so he said, well, let's, uh, I know the Pope had, had been positive, and a number of the American bishops were positive about it. So he encouraged to go along and, and, uh, and be open. To the Holy Spirit, you can't go wrong being open to the Holy Spirit. We had asked for that in our sacraments that I knew of. So, uh, so it wasn't until later, after we were married, that I had a chance down when we had moved to Memphis, Tennessee, started our family, and I was working in the hospital there at the Naval Hospital. And at that point, we had 
very interesting experience with some other couples that started a prayer group, had our own uh, Life in the Spirit seminar, as my wife described, and and we, uh, a number of us there, received the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we were under the guidance of the church. And that was one of the powerful movements because it was in the Catholic Church. It, it was a uh, it was ecumenical, but for a lot of us, it was it opened up our eyes to our own church and the power of the Spirit in the Catholic Church and the love for the sacraments and meeting Jesus. Before it was a head knowledge, now it was in the heart. And we loved the Eucharist and we loved uh, praying and being in church and just knowing that we were around God and then we were with other people. It just opened us up to seeing God and Jesus in other people and in our own family. And so it really deepened us then as something we did together, which was really important for our prayer, for our praise, going together to the group. The groups were family-oriented, and so it was just very valuable for us in our young married life and continued today with with our prayer and our work here at the Vision of Peace and in our own parish and making decisions together. What's the Holy Spirit say? We've had a number of decisions we had to make. And I remember one time I lost a job in uh my wife comes home from shopping or wherever she was and says, "E, what are you doing home? And I said, oh, they just, uh, 600 of us just lost our job. And he said, oh, first thing out of her mouth was, well, now you can make a retreat. <laughs> <laughs> so so those were the you know the kind of spirituality that we liked, to, that, that's, that's really kept us together all these 47 years now. Well, was there um, a moment um, like what Gloria was referring to? Right, I or- had that same and when I went through the the seven, the, uh, the the little training session, uh, the life in the spirit over the seven weeks, and got prayed for, uh, like she had there, he had something different at the time we prayed. But just being open and just uh, having a new a new type of prayer, a new personal prayer. So it wasn't just all in in mind and in thought, but it was really in praying, praying out loud, praying spontaneously. Those were the Parts that uh, that opening to the Holy Spirit really opened my myself. My wife had already been in that, for, as she said, for up to a couple of years or so before we met. So that was something that was really powerful for a young married couple and then all the way through our marriage to be open to praying with and for people and for one another. So um, at the, it's called a Life of the Spirit conference? Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. Seminar. Seminar. And what, you know, or the main uh, things that were expressed or taught, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, I you know, said after after uh, going through it ourselves, we've been on teaching teams too. So my style, the way I look at it, it's like playing ping pong with God. And the ball is always in your court. So first you realize that, that God made everything and he gave it to you. Now I can experience that, but then I find out that I'm a sinner. Well, that Jesus says, well, I'll, I'll take you as a sinner and I'll offer you uh, uh, salvation and offer you forgiveness. And now it's back in your court. Well, do I want that or don't I want that? Now it's risky. And so then when Jesus comes in that fifth week, saying, yeah, it's I know it's risky, but you're going to open up. And that's another thing of opening, praying with your hands open because you're not trying to have it clenched into your old self, but you're open to being filled with a new the newness is the the Jesus alive and the power of the Spirit, understanding the whole Trinity that in which we live, the incarnation in us coming out. And so that was, and then the last two weeks of the seminar go into, uh, now what do I do? As my wife said, there the scriptures are open. Uh, you can get some more t- teaching. You get to love the church, try to go to, for as Catholics, we go to Mass. So that's been beautiful too as us as a couple to go to Mass almost every day together and then when we had a family it was we still took the family with us when we all the time so it's been really valuable so this power of the spirit in our lives has uh has quickened us and has really made us who we are now and so that spirit then is like the leaven in the bread you don't see it anymore but it's there in in the church and so our job as a Catholic Christian evangelist is to to share the love of Jesus with others. And so over the years, I've been called to a teaching ministry many times. And so getting a chance to share that with people and the love in my heart and all the different examples and the miracles in our life, it's uh, 
you know, we can see that God is uh, really, as my wife would say many, many times, God is present and Jesus loves us. So, um, so you, you, there was the, the point about that we're sinners mm-hmm. and then the point about Jesus loves us. Mm-hmm. And then you, you mentioned, um, but you know, that now what, you know, so then what, so now what, like when you, you get to that point, what's next? Um, right. And that's where we look at what is the gifts that you have received from the Holy Spirit. So some people can, uh, can just be prayers intercessory prayer is so powerful that even if you're all by yourself you can pray by yourself but then you continue to come in a group because we need continuing education we need ongoing formation uh the bible it, it says something different every time we read it so what is it saying to me now like right now we're in the lenten season so now we're looking much more at uh, introspection and and we're sinners and god's forgiving us and how can we amend our lives uh, what are we uh, spend our time doing? Is that really our God, or is really is our time uh, spent in uh, prayer, praise, intercession, visiting the sick? You know, any number of things. What does God want us to do? So that was part of the call, and that's then that's the seventh talk that lasts the rest of your life. <laughs> what okay. is God asking us to do? And some people get in, can just turn around and say, "Yes, this is so exciting for me. Look what it did for me and for my family and for my life. I want to share that with others." And so, in uh, so back in the early seventies, there there was just so much, so many people that were hungering and thirsting because they didn't know God personally. And so, this has really been a the Holy Spirit letting us find Jesus personally, and in our church, we find Him even more alive than not just in the scriptures, but in all the sacraments where we have the natural signs that God has elevated, as he says, all through the New Testament. And the other thing, too, that um, charismatic renewal was actually uh, helping people to learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the uh, gift of prophecy, the gift of uh, tongues, the gift of healing. And so we were seeing in our prayer groups uh, the gift of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, teaching and admonition. So we were encouraging people to uh, experience the, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there's, it sounds there's some similarities between what you guys experienced and what I experienced as a young fella. Um, so I, I'm Protestant. I grew up mm-hmm. in a, a Protestant home, and we were pretty religious, um, but it didn't really mean too much to me there was a certain point when i was young like just a kid and i wanted to do whatever i needed to do so that i would go to heaven and not to hell mm-hmm. when well, our tradition you know I, I wasn't sure you know i was trying to figure it out and there were things like um i guess you'd come altar calls at the end of a service they'd play mm-hmm. the song i thought well that's what i need to do so i would mm-hmm. um do that and it i don't it it was an emotional experience for me, but it didn't mean anything. You know, I went up there, I ended up, you know, they said, I filled out a form, a group of men talked to me to try to make sure that I understood the things about the faith. But um, I was just a young kid wanting to please whoever I was talking to. I was just trying to answer the right questions, but I didn't. And then, um, and then it was, uh, you know, I got baptized after that, you know, but that didn't, do anything uh, for me. I'd heard people talking about getting saved, so to speak, you know, like having this experience and they would be like a new person and they'd Mm -hmm. have that assurance of God's love and Mm -hmm. heaven and stuff like that. And um, so I was waiting for something like that to happen. Um, But all, you know, I was just, it was a frustrating time in my life because nothing was happening. And I talked to my mom about it, and she gave me some of those little booklets, little tracks with like verses and a prayer mm-hmm. at the end. So I would pray that prayer, um, um, hoping that I was just praying it right and thinking if I just believed enough, you know, shazam, something would happen. Mm-hmm. But but eventually, um, you know, I just kind of put that to the back of my mind and went on with life. Um, and uh, as I went throughout my teens, um, you know, whenever there came an opportunity for sin, you know, I just fell right into it. And, um, 
became more and more sinful and became just a hateful young fella um, to my siblings and so forth, just a hateful kid. And um, I was about 18 and um, just kind of in a low point in my life at that point where it was um, kind of getting to me that I was um, like morally disgusting on the inside. I was kind of, I was just being disgusted with who I was. And I asked God to save me from who I was um, because I, it's, it's like earlier in my life, I was trying to escape hell, go toward heaven. You know, I was, but I don't think I understood the need f- to be saved. Like, well, why did I need to be saved? But here, uh, later in, when I was 18, um, I wasn't thinking in religious terms. Um, I was just thinking, man, I'm just, uh, something's got to be done because of who I am. And I asked God to save me from who I was. And I don't think I was expecting anything, but um, it was like a load of guilt just lifted from me. And um, I felt as light as a feather. I felt, and I had new desires after that. Um, Like you said, Gloria, about the Bible, you know, like growing up in church, we did biblical memorization and stuff like that, but it didn't mean anything to me. But now all of a sudden, you know, the Bible was something that um, I could read and understand. And since then, it's just amazing how like a a book, like you said, Pat, can speak to you every day. Um, You know, even when you've read it and you've read it and you've read it, you know, so um, I, I guess the similarities are like sin. You guys were taught about sin. And even though I wasn't thinking in religious um, words, you know, I was thinking about sin. I was thinking it's morally disgusting. And and then I asked God to um, save me. And, you know, that's what, uh, you know, I think happened. Like, um, you know, sometimes... Um, I think, like St. Paul, he speaks about being made a new creation in Christ. That seems to be like what I think happened. Or um, in Ephesians, when he he's writing to the Ephesians, and he's in the first chapter, he says something about, um, like, and you also, you know, when you heard the good news, you believed and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So it seems like, you know, something happened in connection with hearing about the love of, of God. But, um, so anyway, it just sounds kind of striking to me. Some of the similarities. Right. So. And that's, uh, that's what's great about the, uh, the fact that we're all brothers and sisters under the same God, the same Lord, the same, and that's what makes Christians unified. And that's a, a great movement. One of our, we used to just move down to the, uh, St. Louis area here from, the middle of Missouri, and our little community up there was very ecumenical. All the different churches got together and uh, did things and had song fest and other activities, and nobody was pointing fingers or saying, what are you doing here? And uh, even using the public facilities without any without any, any problems. Mm-hmm. And so that was just a, a real blessing up there. You could didn't have to hide your faith anywhere that uh, it was... Uh, well accepted and and uh, it, when it gets that much in common we can really build on that as a community and certainly it starts at home but then with other friendships and like the where we met you will was here at uh, vision of peace where we got people coming together just to pray on a monday night who prays on a monday night it's, come on it's, it's just another night of the week but it's making that extra effort to pray and to be with other people because you can get we could get uh, very complacent with ourselves. So that's uh, one of the things that's been valuable as we've, over the years, uh, all the different uh, seminars and the different books uh, right behind us. We're in a library right now, and all these different books, I'm looking at that uh, besides the Bible, you need to help understand it, how to practice it, and other people's testimonies go such a long way. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow, that really can happen, huh? And that gets you excited because maybe something will happen in your life and as we've been talking for all these years, we got to write down all the things that have happened to us because we've had a lot of great things have happened. We've all had our share of sadnesses as well. But uh, for other people, they have hope from 
listening to what how God deals with someone else. Because sometimes you think, well, nobody loves me and everybody hates me. I'll go eat some worms. But here instead, we can say, what do you got? I want what you have. And I said, let's go get a cup of coffee and I'll just tell you what I got and how I got it and welcome you to uh, to the step. You don't just uh, pay $10 and, uh, and, and get it. So you have to, uh, it's a way of life. And it's uh, really exciting, on, uh, and it's ever changing. It's ever growing, just as we are as we get older now. Uh, looking at, well, we can't do some things as we used to, but yet we're not working, so we've got this extra free time. How are we going to use it? And so, enjoying uh, reading the Bible, reading other articles, uh, listening to tapes, and my wife's uh, looking at a video series on Jesus and the Gospels. And so, it's just a lot of things that we can do now to continue growing. Because uh, yeah, we're at the beginning of spring, and so we're going to start seeing new life out here. And then, uh, is God going to see any new life in me as spring comes this year? Well, let me ask you about this. Um, so, you know, from um, you know, like uh, Protestants and, and the way they view um, Catholics is. Um, or, you know, I'm not talking about everybody, but what I hear kind of sometimes is like, uh, so uh, from a Protestant view, um, we're, we're sinners, um, but uh, God so loved us, he gave his son, and his son was a sacrifice, and um, who paid our sin debt, so to speak, and then, um, and then we can be received, and we stand... Our confidence before God is in what He did um, for us, so that we're we're freely received, and um, and not just to continue a sinful life. I mean, we're saved to be a part of the kingdom of God, and we're um, given given that um, you know, and His. You know, we're given new desires so that we can follow him and so forth. We're not lo- no longer a slave to sin, but like the what I commonly hear from Protestants is that um, Catholics um, believe that they um, they have to work their way to into God's favor um, rather than it rather than it being a gift. It's like um, earned or something along those lines. Yeah, I've heard that phrase before, and it's 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 kind of sad that it got warped because that phrase is not in the Bible anywhere. Catholics follow the Bible very closely, and our main goal is to do what Jesus tells us. Do what I did. Follow me. And so in following him, we saw how he reached out to people. He took time off to pray and constantly reaching out to others. Here he's busy in his teaching, and somebody comes up and says, "Hey, my my son just died. Uh, can't take this anymore." And he's up, oh, hold out everything, and he'll go over and, and help. So, uh, so that's kind of our job as as Catholics is uh, to follow Jesus. And so, and Saint James and others have talked about that we can't just have faith; we have to have works that show that this is our faith. And that's exactly what Jesus said: "Go and do likewise." And so. So this is really the, the Catholic is modeling on Jesus, taking time to pray, taking time to have fun, eating. That's why we like the good Catholics always eat when they're having a good time. So he's he's constantly feeding us. And so here we get fed spiritually as well as physically. And, and, and our job, too, is in, in sharing that. And many times that's the difference between somebody who's been baptized in the Spirit and somebody that has not been. Um, many Catholics uh, uh, just don't know Jesus personally, just like many Protestants don't know Jesus personally. So it's the relationship with God that makes the difference about uh, whether or not you're earning your your way through heaven or not. Uh, many Protestants, as well as Catholics, uh, do a lot of good things. You know, they go to church on Sunday and they feel that maybe that's all you need to do. Uh, but as James says, is that, you know, your works show whether or not you are really, is your heart in the right place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and knowing Jesus personally gives you a freedom. Because if you love somebody, you want to do 
uh, something that makes them happy. Mm-hmm. So um, if Jesus is looking at his command to love other people as, uh, as I have loved you, uh, and if that's the great commandment, then uh, when you're out at a grocery store and uh, somebody's in line and they have only a few items and you have more, you can just easily say, go ahead of me. Because you're looking to uh, share love mm-hmm. with somebody else, so um, so it's not a dogma of the church that you have to do certain works in order to get to heaven. That's okay. not in the dogma of the church. So it's uh, uh, something that people think they have to do certain ABC things in order to earn their way to heaven. But it's not something that's a dogma of the church. Then. How would you answer the question, like, how is a person justified? Or how are you justified as, like, um, how are you um, accepted by God? You know, though a sinner and God being just, he receives us. So how are you? How are you accepted as yeah. into Because by baptism, when you go to, uh, uh, when, you're, when your parents bring you to the church, they say to you, uh, "Do you re- do you uh, reject Satan?" And you say, "Yes." Do you believe in the in the in the gospel message, which is, do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Uh, and that's um, and you say yes. And you, do you want this faith to have your your child to have this same faith? So in baptism. You are accepting the the, do, the gospel message. Um, so you can do that when you're an adult, or you can do that when you're a child. Uh, but when when you're a child, you're also, as parents, required to teach that child uh, as he's growing up the gospel message. And going to church and go and having catechism is teaching them all about the life of Jesus, what the Bible has to say about Jesus. Um, the uh, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so you have to show them that, what that means in your life. Um, so it's not just uh, that you um, have to be an adult in order to be baptized. Uh, in the Catholic Church, you can be a child and have parents that are teaching you the the message of the gospel. So, um, so that's that's the difference between the Catholics and the Protestants. And the Protestants, they say, well, you have to be an adult, you have to have the own your own knowledge. But some of them, yes, you know, some Protestants baptize children, children too. Yeah. But uh, it's the whole idea that we're a body of Christ. And that um, um, we need to teach and show one another uh, the love of God. So, what does um, Jesus's death and resurrection mean to you? Like, what? How do you understand the significance of it? Like, um, as far as how it impacts you, or what does it mean to you? Death and resurrection. Well, because Jesus was the sacrifice for sins, um, and the. Um, in the world, if you look at world religions, everybody has a sacrifice for the, uh, God to, uh, you're looking at a sacrifice. So Jesus' uh, uh, heritage as a Jewish person, sacrifice was very large. And so uh, he is sacrificing for the sins of the, of the world. And he could do that because he was God. And he was laying down his life as for our sins, past and future sins. So he was a, he was a perfect sacrifice. And so he obeyed his father to go through this sacrifice. And at the end, uh, he was three days in the tomb. And then he was rose again on his own merits. He rose again from the dead. So we we have uh, if we died with him we will rise with him. So that's okay. right. Yeah. And um, 
And a yeah. big part of this is the whole covenant relationship that goes back to the whole Judeo-Christian heritage. I will be your God and you be my people. And, you know, we all know about the Ten Commandments. But then as it went through, Jesus says, you know, those are Ten Commandments. But this other one is even bigger, is to love everyone. And the love, it was, you know, a lot of people look at the at the commandments as don't do this and don't do that. Well, here's what we're supposed to do. And that's where, you know, I think the hardest scripture to me is Matthew 25, where he says, see somebody hungry and thirsty and homeless, you know, that, you know that's the sacrifice. And as Jesus uh, is merciful to us, that's another key fact, is that the mercy of God is that we're still sinners, even though we've made that commitment to Jesus, we've been baptized in his spirit, we're doing the best we can, but we still slip and fall. And Jesus is merciful. And it's his mercy that's going to get us into heaven. That's the, that's the great gift that we all receive, but we have to ask for it. We can't be so proud to think that, oh, I went, uh, my parents said, uh, I'm ready to go. And so I can do be a Weinstein or somebody that, uh, as we hear in the, in the news that, uh, can live a, a crazy life. That's, uh, certainly, uh, not something you want to emulate. So we're looking at who could we emulate? And it's always goes back to Jesus because he was the perfect man. And so that's, that's our real job. So the fact that we've got a hope in the resurrection, because he says, you're going to live with me. And so to live with Jesus, we have to live like Jesus so that we'll be able to live with him in some day. So that at the time of our death, which is coming up at any point that, uh, we can answer that one simple question. Do you love me? And if we think, well, I don't know if I love you or not. Well, you got to go over here and think about it. And <laughs> everybody that loves me, I'll let you come right on in. Yeah, not that we know exactly how it works, but we have to, one more question we have to answer. So it's, and it's a simple one. And that's the mercy of God. We plead ourselves on his mercy. How many songs are that way? Mercy, 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 right? <laughs> In the lay songs too. So we need God's mercy. And it's uh, been a strong movement now in the Catholic Church is uh, is understanding and, and accepting and, and doing things, not just accepting mercy for us, but then we can go and show that mercy, the forgiveness, how little forgiveness is out there. It's just so sad. And even in families, how to reconcile and offer forgiveness. It just tears families apart, sometimes spouses. How many times they make an difference for what religion you're in? There's still about 50% of marriages that, that don't uh, stay together for whatever reason. Most of those reasons is they're not praying together. They're not, uh, don't have a common uh, thread of uh, Jesus in their lives or in the way they want to serve together, not just independence. So I think that's one of the things I kind of joke about sometimes. Our country misnamed itself. We had this, we should have the declaration of interdependence. We need to be working and living and loving together. And so people that can think that they can go over here and live as a hermit, that's a tough life because it's just you and you. <laughs> so, But it's also tough to be with other people when they cut you off in line or they uh, give you the finger when you're driving or whatever the thing might be that, that can aggravate us. How to look beyond all those little aggravations that uh, can draw us down and then we don't think of our resurrection because we think now it's too bad. And that's the I know that one of the popes recently had said that one of the great realities that people don't understand is that the devil is alive and well and active in the world. And so we've got a force working against us, trying to divide families, to try and divide your own mind into, do I watch this TV show or do I read a book? And you know all the different decisions we make, can we make the decision, what, you know, the people wear little armbands, right? What would Jesus do? And so that's a great one. I got a little sign that a priest gave us that's in front of our TV. Would Jesus watch this program with you? I said, whoa, uh, let's think about that here. So uh, so there's some lots of hints and tricks and things to try to help us to stay on the road so that when uh, the end of our life does come, that we will choose Jesus and not just think that there's nothing, a flat world, we just drop off the end. So, uh, and that's what keeps us the joy. We should have joy as Christians. Joy is a, whatever we are in, that we're enjoying it. It may not be that uh, we have a broken arm or we've got uh, sick problems in the family, but we're still joyful because Jesus loves us 
and that uh, his mercy is sufficient for us. And if we can go and, and make a smile, call somebody by name, do some little thing for somebody, we don't have to all be heroic. My wife is heroic these days as a Christian in her nursing because she's helping the Red Cross as a nurse and helping people after a fire on the phone. And it's a, a great act of mercy with people that they don't have a home, they don't have their medicines, they don't have, they have no clue what their next step's going to be. And so for my wife to chat with them and talk with them and sometimes even say a prayer with them, it's, it's pretty special to listen to her working uh, in the other room with these uh, clients that, uh, that she can then really feel. At least I feel for her. I'm not sure her felt feelings, but it's this, this heartwarming to know that we can touch some people that we don't even know. I always told my kids that when you when you're at your deathbed and uh, you're asked, uh, you know, why should I let you into heaven? You can always say, Jesus is the reason for me to come into heaven. Hmm. So, right. What um, for either one of you? What do you find like s spiritually nourishing or? you know, um, helps you and your spirit feel loving towards others? And, you know, like, what do you find um, spiritually nourishing? Um, anything that you do or anything you experience or in, in your lives? Well, I like to, uh, to, to read some of the commentaries that you know, every day in the Catholic Church, we have a whole different set of scriptures every day. And I think that if there's, let's say there's a billion Catholics in the world, if all of us are reading the exact same scripture every day, the Holy Spirit is really working on making that personal because you and I will read the same scripture and you'll get something different out of it. Doesn't mean that that's the author intended, but you're looking at what does the Holy Spirit want me to do with that this day? Is it just to be calming, to be quiet, or is it a call to action? And it could be all the above. And so... So I'd like to have just a little guide. And in fact, the church, our church has a, a, a Lexio Divina style of praying where you say a prayer, you listen to it, you ask God, and then so you reflect on it. So, so you're like a cow would bring it up and chew on it and before he ever swallows it to become a nourishment. So the same with us. We would read the scripture and not just the whole, you know, read the whole thing, then go back and look at a line and maybe a word and say, now what is God actually asking me? So this is power of the spirit. Uh, a lot of us like to say a, a call to the Holy Spirit, come speak to me as I open God's word. So I hear your word, not my own thought or or the confusion or whatever it might be. So so those we got some nice uh, tools to help us in our prayer. And it could be that for every different season, this style works, this commentary works, sharing with my wife, hearing a homily, coming to a little prayer group, uh, listening to the radio, there's a lot of Catholic, Christian, other uh, radio and TV stations. So you can get a stimulation a lot of different ways. You can be overstimulated. So we need to have that quiet reflection time too to this say, okay, Lord, I know I try to do this first thing in the morning. Say, Lord, who and what would you want me to do something special today? It's not going to be go save the world because I already saved it, Jesus says. But what you might be is, is cooperating with me. What can what are you going to do? And time doesn't permit right now, but there's a lot of examples where something very specific. I saw it and it happened. I said, "Wow, God actually did tell me something in advance to to uh, He's going to use me today." And it could just be something with a smile, a coffee cup of coffee, paying it forward, paying something at the at the fast food restaurant for the person behind you. Just whatever you might feel, something special comes up. Be open to that, and that's the power of the of the spirit to expect the unexpected because he's alive and well and and he wants us he not that he's having fun with us but we want to have fun with him to see uh what are you up to today lord <laughs> what do you got to to cheer me up to spur me on to uh i went to a men's conference the other day and we were talking about creative ways to uh, love our wives so uh, of course my wife wanted me to go to that but uh, <laughs> but it was really oh, i didn't i was surprised that she you didn't, went to it yeah so it was a uh, uh, special, but there's just a great movement going on right now, trying to get men to uh, 
to come together once a month and learn how to be better men in the world and to be better spouses or better uh, parents, you know, whatever, because we're all different ages, so our requirements and our needs are different. But uh, being open, that's the big thing, and that's what the power of the Spirit does. If somebody thinks, as my wife said earlier, just go to church once a week and I've done my duty and check a box and then go out and uh, do whatever you want, uh, you're going to run out of gas way before next Sunday. So uh, so that's what I feel is we need to, to have a spiritual uh, update every day. And uh, I'm great that my wife and I can pray together in the morning for, uh, for a half an hour and then be together for another half hour when we go to Mass every day. So, so we're spending some quality time with the Lord every day together. And I think that really has been a, a great spiritual cement in our marriage. And it's um, each part of your life is different. So um, for me, there's things I put into my life. I look at my calendar and I put things into my calendar. And uh, I pray about what I'm supposed to be doing. And so. I don't, in the morning, I look at my calendar to see, okay, what does want, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. And if it's a day like today that, you know, I come to meet with you. So that's what I'm doing today. And I know that I have a certain uh, agenda that I have most of my, my, you know, uh, action plan, it's kind of called. And uh, I'm open to what happens during the day because I'm, aware of God's presence with me um, so that I, I just aware that people are around me and I'm listening. So it's an active listening day um, built in to those activities that God has asked me to be a part of. So it's not, and, it, and we're retired, so we don't have any place that we have to be. So, um, you know, at this time of our life, this is what we're we're doing. Now, if we had children, we had all kinds of other things we had to do. So there was, you know, you, you, at that time of our life, we had different things we had to do. So right now, at this time, um, I follow my schedule and be aware of uh, my surroundings and being aware of what the Lord want might want me to do it at any particular time. Thank you, Pat and Gloria. I've really enjoyed talking with you, and uh, it's been great to get to know you and get to hear your experiences and your faith. And so, thank you very much. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life.